Hello again. Welcome to The Kicker, the regular news podcast from Columbus Business First. I'm Dominic Kappa, Editor-in-Chief. For a 12-year run by Michael Coleman as Mayor of Columbus, the city now has a new CEO, Andrew Ginther. He's a Democrat, once was a city council president, and is a hometowner. So what can the Columbus business community expect from the new administration? How will the Ginther way of doing business with business and his economic priorities for Columbus differ from the previous administration? What's it going to take for the new city hall to keep Columbus in the national spotlight? And how will private interest and investment fit into the mayor's plan to revive some important neighborhoods in an effort to get more families to share in the city's gains? Managing Editor Doug Buchanan and reporter Tom Knox and I met with Andrew Ginther to find out answers to those questions and more. Here's what we heard. Um, I, you know, let me start. Let me start with, um, you know, what the expectations of the business community should be for the Ginther administration, certainly in light of, of what we saw out of the Coleman group, which was, I think, in some cases, probably heavily pro-business. And well, obviously, um, very proud of our track record collectively. As you know, I was council president for four years of the Coleman administration and a council member for four years before that. So eight years working in partnership with the mayor. And uh, I don't think anybody could dispute uh, that we have made tremendous strides, particularly since 2008-2009 uh, recovery-wise. Uh, you know, fastest growing economy in the Midwest, you know, lowest unemployment in 25 years, uh, AAA bond rating from all three rating agencies uh, puts us in a very unique position, uh, not just as a city, but as a region. Uh, and great partnerships with the city, the county, uh, the state, Jobs Ohio, we've all been working together uh, to help unleash our potential around economic development and work strategically with the business community to create jobs. Uh, but we know that uh, not every family in every neighborhood is sharing in that success story. And so one of the focuses, in addition to continuing to work with the business community uh, to be responsive, to be accessible, uh, and to be a partner in creating jobs is, is really focusing on lifting up some of the neighborhoods that haven't seen and haven't shared in that success story uh, that is Columbus. And so those are things that I'm going to continue to be focused on. Uh, and particularly around small business. We started Small Business Roundtable when I was council president, and a number of great, uh, uh, you know, uh, and effective strategies have come out of that work, getting around the table literally with small business owners, entrepreneurs. Uh, it's really led the way to uh, record levels of, of lending um, that we have done through ECDI and other partners to small businesses and entrepreneurs. Uh, it has led me to the point where I announced in the state of the city uh, that we are going to become a Kiva city, uh, which is going to put us in a uh, very elite company nationally uh, to focus more on entrepreneurship and small business development. I mean, just go to the point of Kiva. Is there anything that the mayor's office or anything that the city can do um, to get lending going? I mean, you go to Kiva for a reason, and sure. that is to go for um, small loans to what you know traditional lenders consider high risk. That's right. And, and is... Is do you have conversations with with guys like Steve Steiner or anybody else with the banking community that says, you know, listen, you need to pay attention to your hometown? Absolutely, and you know Huntington in particular. I mean, they are Columbus's hometown bank, and now the second largest bank uh, in the state of Ohio. And Steve 
uh, has been a great partner to us and many other uh, businesses in the community. But I think you're right. I mean, we need to continue to push uh, banking institutions, financial institutions, uh, to make sure that uh, they are supporting our collective efforts to grow this economy uh, and and really focusing on shared prosperity for us moving forward. You know, I, I don't mean this. I don't mean to make this a comparison with the Coleman administration, but at least after after all that time that that Mike was running the place, you know, we get at least a baseline, and we'll know how your administration may change or may sort of uh, sway or veer from what he did before. Um, but but what will what do you sort of perceive in in your mind's eye? What does Columbus look like in four years? You know, I think what you're going to see in four years uh, are, are families and neighborhoods uh, that haven't, you know, been part of the success story since, you know, the great recovery started here in Columbus to, to share in that success. So it isn't just about uh, public infrastructure. We're going to make uh, record-setting uh, investments into the hilltop in Linden, two neighborhoods in particular interest of mine. But we're also working with the private sector to see if we can get some private investment into those neighborhoods as well. Uh, and so those are things we're going to be working. You know, we what is so great about this community is our willingness to work together through public-private partnerships. And we've been able to leverage those resources, been uh, strategic about our collective investments, and help to transform neighborhoods and, and, and lift up our city. And you don't have to go anywhere other than American Edition to Wyland Park to uh, you know, certainly uh, to the south side of Columbus and the Reeb Community Center, uh, things that we're already seeing in Marion Franklin. Those are the types of things and the public-private partnerships uh, that we want to take, you know, continue to expand them on the Near East Side and the great work that PAC has started there, but also to the Hilltop and to Linden. Uh, I would also say that one of the things you hopefully will see in, is a real reset around workforce development. We continue to hear from uh, business owners and uh, leaders in the community about this disconnect, the fact that we have 34,000 jobs right now in this community that can't be filled by people who live here. They don't have the right training, certifications, those types of things. And at the same time, we have 32,000 people who've been looking for jobs for 12 months or longer. That's not a perfect overlap and fit. Some of those 32,000 are restored citizens returning from the criminal justice system. They may not have soft skills. They may not have the, the appropriate education and training. But there's something... There's a great opportunity for us here, particularly as COWIC kind of becomes reconstituted and realigned based on changes to the Federal Workforce Investment uh, Act. Uh, and so we are putting together a uh, strategic advisory group for COWIC, and our hope is to have uh, representatives from the private sector uh, helping us to shape our mission around workforce development in the future. Can I go back to the neighborhoods for just sure. one, 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 real quick? Um, you mentioned PACT, and obviously Ohio State has the hospital there, so they have like a natural tie to that region. And on the south side, uh, Donato's, uh, the Grody family, has been very involved there, but they have a connection to Crane them. Plastics, uh, Children's great, Hospital, right. absolutely. Right, so Hilltop, Linden, Franklinton, how do you get private companies interested in helping out there? Well, we actually have been brainstorming uh, different ideas. I mean, you know, the Hilltop and mm -hmm. Linden 
are some of our greatest neighborhoods that have been had a very proud history okay. in the city of Columbus's history. And so part of it is just playing off of uh, emotional connection to the neighborhood. And that's exactly what we're going to do with folks who grew up on the hilltop. You know, there are a number of very successful families, you know, the Boers, the Byers, there are other families. The, mm -hmm. Michael Redhale from West High School has had a very successful career, both in uh, – uh, athletics, but also in business and, sure. and, and trying to get him in. Uh, so I've been talking to great people like Dave Dobos, who's a West High grad and MIT uh, man who has had a very successful business career to figure out what types of families and the same sort of approach we're taking in Linden. There are uh, companies, Plascolite and others, uh, Norse Dairy uh, and others that still have their roots in Linden and, and working with them to try to identify other champions. Because you're absolutely right. There has to be uh, private sector skin in the game and investment uh, right. for us to be able to realize our goals and lift up the families in these neighborhoods. And then at that point, it becomes more than just sending money. I mean, because that's right. Development and uh, maybe the private sector investment and development uh, in places that probably uh, are a little uh, more of a risk uh, mm -hmm. for some private sector companies. How can we work with them to make sure those are calculated risks and and partnerships? Uh, but places where we need the private sector to step up uh, and to support our wish. We want to make sure that this uh, prosperity is shared and that it's sustainable. Uh, and if you look out over the next 20, 30, 40 years, unless there's shared prosperity uh, taking place in this community, it isn't sustainable mm -hmm. with the ups and downs of the market and business cycles. Right. And then the same thing, I, I suppose, would hold true on the workforce side. I no. mean you can train people all you want, but if they can't get internships, you can't get jobs. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to work. That's right. I mean, and, and, and most of our young people, you know, lack those meaningful internship opportunities, whether an undergraduate uh, or pursuing an associate's degree uh, and making that transition. You know, one of the other things we're going to really focus on is really embracing vocational education and apprenticeship in a way. And I have to take some responsibility for this since I'm a former member of the Board of Education. Our educational elite uh, mm -hmm. have looked down their nose at apprenticeship and vocational education for at least a generation and maybe two. Yeah. And we made young people and their parents feel less than unless they were going to a two or a four year uh, uh, institution, degree to institution. Uh, two and four year degrees are very important, an important part of our future. But there are lots of different paths to the middle class. Uh, and so apprenticeship, vocational education, getting a certificate in a high-tech computer programming, uh, different fields, that's part of that 34,000 jobs uh, that can't be filled right now, you know, around skilled labor, having uh, specific certifications and trainings to do some of the jobs mm -hmm. uh, that we can't fill with people here currently. Uh, they don't all require a two- and four-year degree, and there's nothing to say that we can't have young people earn those degrees during the course of their career uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only way to go from poverty to the middle class mm -hmm. is through a two- or four-year institution of higher education. Okay. So define, so for us, define, define the city's role in economic development. I mean, you, you talk about some, some sort of foundational thing. Sure. But I, I wonder how hands-on the city might become or it change. Um. Well, we're going to continue our, our proud tradition uh, uh, in and around economic development, putting together you know, a very sound economic development plan based on uh, assets we think we have to leverage. Uh, I think you're going to see a much more regional approach uh, to economic development. Um, I, I have no interest in stealing jobs from Gahanna and Dublin. 
Uh, I have an interest in stealing jobs from Charlotte or Johannesburg uh, or Berlin. You know, and that's uh, that's where our focus will be. Ultimately, they're going to be companies that move around the region. Uh, we're not going to seek them out, and it's not in our collective best interests uh, to having uh, you know job creators uh, moving around our region. Uh, we want to bring in companies and, and private investment from around the country and around the world. Um, so I think you're going to see a much more regional approach. In fact. Uh, one of the folks that we're adding to our development team uh, is a current, soon-to-be former member of Upper Arlington City Council, uh, Mike Shattuck, and he's going to be joining our development team to help with our regional outreach and approach. I've already been to meet with all of Bexley City Council and the Bexley mayor, uh, and I've made a point of going to them. Uh, we've already been to see Mayor Schoenhardt in Hilliard at, at Hilliard City Hall, and I think we're on the books now to go meet with the new mayor of Gehanna. Uh, and, and working to reach out to all the mayors and leaders around the region. Has, has the reception been different? This I think time it, Matt, because I remember when, when, when Michael Coleman got into this issue and he was looking for a regional approach, it almost felt like on deaf ears. Yeah. There were just some communities that said no. Well, I think our community, uh, our region, um, has grown a lot, uh, and not just in, in size and population. I think we have developed, we have come further along to understand uh, that a zero-sum approach to economic development uh, isn't healthy, isn't functional, and quite honestly sends the wrong message to companies around the country and the world that we're more interested in fighting with each other than leveraging what we can collectively uh, to, to get companies to come here and create jobs. So I think there has been, we've tried to set a, a tone of, 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 you know, one of, Really, regional cooperation and and uh, uh, you know a shared vision around economic development. Uh, it seems to have been well received. In fact, uh, Mayor Schoenhart and I have already been able to do some things that he had been trying to to work on for several years, uh, which are good, which are in the best interest of Hilliard and Columbus, and we're excited about that. So, uh, I look forward to much more. Uh, robust regional cooperation as we move forward. Now, I'm still the mayor of Columbus. I answer to the people of Columbus. Uh, so they don't need to worry about uh, me uh, not focused on, on on my responsibility and their interests. Uh, but we there's a lot in line. I mean, people in Granville should care about downtown Columbus. And the people of Columbus, we need healthy suburban neighbors, uh, and we need a functional, thoughtful a collaborative approach to economic development across this region. It's all in our, our best interest. So can you explain what the new position is, is exactly again? Sure. Uh, uh, Mike Shattuck will be joining the Department of Development, okay. and uh, one of his uh, primary charges will be uh, you know, fostering more regional cooperation amongst the city of Columbus and our, and our uh, suburban neighbors. And so uh, other neighbors within Franklin County, the relationships with Franklin County itself, okay. uh, you know, whether they're economic development agreements, whether it's uh, new ideas and approaches around shared services, uh, okay. contracting, purchasing power, all the things that people, you know, quite honestly, people, whether you live in Upper Arlington or Columbus, you want outstanding great city services uh, and you want to pay for as little for them as you can. Right. And so I think there's greater opportunities for shared services, purchasing contracts, those types of things, uh, to build on um, the record that we already have there. 
when the uh, council president was here, I think it was last month, we talked at length about the growth of Columbus mm -hmm. uh, decades down the line. One of the things he brought up first was, you know, we need to figure out, I guess, about light rail. Um, I know this has been talked about a lot when Mayor Coleman was the mayor. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering where that is on your list of importance, just if, if we even need to figure that out in your term. Um, I'm not going to figure it out tomorrow, uh, but it is very important. And you take a look at all the studies and research and, uh, you know, the, uh, the 2050 uh, uh, Urban Land Institute and in, mm -hmm. in study, mm -hmm. you know, additional 400,000 people yeah. come to the region by 2050. Um, the challenge with this always is um, we're always still one of the top 10 cities in the easiest commutes, the shortest commutes in the country. Uh, but I can tell you, there are about 10, 15 corridors that I could send you to all over this county where it is a crisis now. It is a problem now and certainly will become a crisis in the years to go, uh, in, in the years ahead, if we don't start thinking about this and making some plans. And so how do we modernize and make sure that, you know, we build on uh, the progress of, 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 of CODA and CBUS and really think about, um, you know, whether or not we are the largest city in the country without uh, a multimodal mass transit system. And um, for the first time in 60 years, people want to live closer to where they work. Uh, and so it's impacting development uh, for all good things. You know, people want to live closer to their jobs in the central city. Uh, and, you know, it's something that we are going to have to figure out, again, collectively as a region. The city of Columbus can't just develop and put in place a multimodal mass transit system. It's going to take a champion from the private sector. It's going to take private investment, and it's going to take a collective, collaborative approach from the entire region and arguably support from the state and federal government to make that happen. Uh, it's a priority of mine, uh, and I think it's uh, something that we need to make a commitment to and progress to. I think a great starting point, jumping off point for that uh, is uh, it's a very exciting work we're doing around uh, the smart city competition and application that we've made uh, to the U.S. Department of Transportation that Secretary Fox and his team are considering right now. Uh, and that is really um, using data and information to help transform our transportation system here uh, in Columbus. So everything from, you know, uh, electric uh, cars and uh, being able to communicate and connect car information with our uh, traffic uh, signal information, uh, as well as being able to come up with new ways to move people around the city uh, in in cars, but also other modes of transportation, and obviously the bike lanes, the bike trails, all that is part of this approach. Uh, because if we're going to be, you know, America's opportunity city, America's 21st century city, it has to be a city and a region that's built on a multimodal mass transit approach. Yeah, I mean, I just wonder if if the situation might resolve itself with the changes in where people are living and, and, and commuting. Um, because, again, the, the whatever it doesn't matter how many partners you bring into it, we're still talking an enormous amount of money. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, how much of a priority is it you know really compared with the enormous amounts of money that are going to take if we're going to transform uh the neighborhoods uh you know around columbus i mean you've got to have a list mm -hmm. uh, a 
very long list of things that you and the spend. first, second, and third priority are neighborhoods. Okay. So after neighborhoods, neighborhoods, neighborhoods. Right, okay. Uh, and, you know, obviously workforce development, um, you know, to make sure that uh, this success story is sustainable for right. the future. Right. We want to continue to add employers. I mean, if you got a 34,000 worker shortage today mm-hmm. and you continue to attract companies and help entrepreneurs and create jobs, yeah. that number just gets compounded over time unless you have this workforce development reset and and focus on uh, folks who are unemployed and underemployed or, and more difficult to employ uh, and get the private sector to buy into that. So um, neighborhoods, um, uh, workforce development, um, you know, and, and I think, you know, this smart city approach and application, if we're successful, this is in excess of a $50 million competitive grant that can really help us transform the way transportation works in this community and this region. It's a great regional collaboration uh, effort and story uh, that Morpsey and a number of our suburban partners have helped us put us in the possession uh, to be competitive for this. And so uh, we're excited about that. And that might very well set the stage. But you get, you get all of the, you got automated cars, you know, driverless cars, you get all these different types of technology out there. So I don't know what the, the future of transportation looks like. Mm. Um, but as I see it today, it has to be multimodal. Uh, and certainly um, that's where our future lies. If I'm a uh, resident of the Hilltop or Linden, and I hear mm-hmm. that collectively we're going to get $61 million, what exactly does that mean? I mean, what do you envision that? Is it kind of like a, a place setter saying, well, well you know, you're living here, it's going to be a little bit better, and then we'll hopefully get more businesses to, to come here? I mean, This I'm, is what it means, that we're going to invest uh, directly into the infrastructure of those neighborhoods. So everything from sidewalks to streetscapes, uh, you know, uh, we're going to invest in, you know, everything from street lighting to resurfacing, um, um, you know, one of the things that we that we announced at, um, uh, say, the city was the creation of a new neighborhoods department. Mm-hmm. So this is where three one one our neighborhood liaisons and the community relations commission. So for most citizens, it's their front door to city government, uh, creating a one stop shop for citizens to engage city government. That department will be housed. Uh, my goal is for it to be housed in either Linden or the Hilltop, and and we think we're we're getting close uh, uh, in in finalizing that. Um, it also means that I am going to be identifying those champions, mm-hmm. those private sector champions who have roots or connections to those neighborhoods, and try to get them uh, to match some of the public investment, uh, and also engage uh, the federal, state, and county government and how we collectively uh, can get the greatest return on investment um, by investing in these two neighborhoods in particular into some uh, uh, strategic needs. How would you assess the state of the Northland area? Because I think that's kind of a precedent for what you're talking about, putting the public money in to spur private. And private, you know, a significant amount of private that came into the the redevelopment in Northland. Well, and and there was a very important component to that, and that was the SID, the Special Improvements District, Mm -hmm. and that is absolutely critical. So, you know, Morse Road's come a long way uh, and uh, is much healthier than it was after the Northland Mall uh, closed. Uh, 161 
is in desperate need of some significant investment and help. Unfortunately, we have not been able to put a sit in place there due to the lack of support from the property owners. Mm -hmm. uh, but I want us to try again in a different way and, and try to figure out if there are lessons learned from the last attempt that to put that in place, uh, as well as identifying uh, some private sector partners that will work with us on that. That can't be just the city of Columbus, but uh, you know, the state, the county, uh, the federal government as well mm -hmm. as the private sector. Uh, and as we know, Morse Road uh, didn't come back overnight. I mean, that's been a, a good part of a decade in the making. Oh, yeah. uh, and what I'm talking about in Linden and the Hilltop, I mean, these are neighborhoods that have taken hits for 50 or 60 years. We're not going to wave a magic wand and fix them. Uh, but we are going to do something about them, and we are going to galvanize this community in the private sector uh, to help us improve the lives of the people in those neighborhoods. What, what got in the way at Route 161? I'm sorry? What got in the way to a city uh, of Route 161? You know, what I have heard uh, is, you know, concerns about cost, uh, control, uh, and whether or not they would get the, the owners. First of all, there are many more property owners. But one of the blessings of the Morse Road said is there were far fewer property owners on Morse Road that had to sign on to, and, and, and I, I mean, this is a self-imposed tax yeah, for all yeah. intents and purposes, right? Uh, there are many more property owners, uh, many of them not based locally uh, along 161. So it's been a much more complicated process uh, to get that done, but I think it's time for us, I mean, to protect our investment in Morse Road uh, and to continue to protect the quality of life of people in Northland, uh, I think it's uh, important for us to focus on 161. How do you choose which neighborhoods you are showing interest in? I mean, it's Linden and Hilltop now, and we're talking about these other places, but obviously there are, there are other areas, so what factors? Well, there are lots of neighborhoods in the city of Columbus. Right. Uh, Linden and uh, the Hilltop are unique in that they were uh, great working and, and middle-class neighborhoods uh, that have, you know, been dealt a number of uh, blows over the last 50 or 60 years, particularly, uh, uh, you know, with the loss of jobs nearby, mm -hmm. uh, with low skill or, uh, uh, you know, minimal skill required, you know, whether it's fish or body, whether it was you know, uh, um, Technoglass on the south side that employed a lot of folks in Linden and other places. There have been a number of companies and factories that have, uh, in Delphi, uh, were all big hits uh, to the hilltop and to Linden. And so, um, you know, those two neighborhoods uh, have disproportionate, uh, you know, when you take a look at the social determinants of health, and I know that might blow the mind of some of your listeners and, and, and business owners, social determinants of health really drive the quality of life for people in neighborhoods. And, you know, so when I think of neighborhoods that need to be lifted up, we have eight neighborhoods that have um, uh, third world infant mortality rates, but many of our other neighborhoods uh, are doing very, very well. That's generally a reflection on the quality of life in the neighborhood. And the quality of life in the neighborhood obviously impacts somebody's ability to do business there. Mm -hmm. And so that's why Linden and the Hilltop, there are two of those eight neighborhoods that I've talked about uh, that um, the social determinants of health are much lower and more negatively impacting the quality of life of people in those neighborhoods. So that's access to safe and affordable housing, employment, poverty, uh, 
high quality educational opportunities in the neighborhood, uh, disproportionate amount of crime. Mm -hmm. So when you ask the question how I pick out the neighborhoods, um, those are two neighborhoods that face some of those biggest challenges. Should we expect to see more money for paring down abandoned properties? Absolutely. I mean, but it's going to be an all-of-the-above approach. I mean, there are some that say we shouldn't demolish any properties uh, or that we're demolish demolishing too many of them. I hear from neighborhood and community leaders all the time about wanting to get rid of properties that are uh, places where drugs and prostitution and other crime is taking place, not to mention, uh, you know, bringing down the property values yeah. of, of the property owners around them. Uh, but I think we also we also have this affordable housing shortage and challenge, you know, and based on some preliminary research, uh, we're about 54,000 units short of affordable housing. The average two-bedroom apartment in Central Ohio is $812 a month, but our median income is only about $42,000, a year. Um, so at the same time as we're demolishing the worst of the worst and right. ones that can't be saved, are there opportunities working with land banks and uh, other home uh, uh, you know, uh, providers, Homeport and Community Shelter Board and, uh, you know, uh, other partners that we have in and around affordable housing, that those homes could be renovated and residents could move into those to help stabilize those neighborhoods. Because some of the same neighborhoods we've been talking about have been disproportionately negatively impacted by the crisis of 2000, 2008, 2009 yeah. with vacant and abandoned homes. I mean, you take a look at Linden or the South Side or the Hilltop, they were hit hardest uh, by the housing crisis. Have you met with the partnership yet? I'm sorry? Have you met with the partnership, Columbus Partnership? Yes. Yeah, we actually just got back from a uh, fly-in last week where we were talking about our smart city application and talking about other, uh, you know, priorities that we have around everything from energy to uh, higher education, workforce development. Uh, uh, so, yeah, we're an ongoing conversation with both members and the uh, leadership or employees of the party. What, what, what do you hear from them? I'm kind of curious what's on, what agenda do they bring to you or what suggestions have they made to your administration? Well, I think we want to continue to stay focused on, um, you know, all of our 2020 work and the goals that we have there. Uh, we're ahead of schedule or, uh, you know, uh, on track to meet our goals around new jobs, jobs created. New jobs, right. uh, and we are uh, on track picking up steam around uh, per capita income uh, because, as you all know, that was the second goal of 2020 that people don't think about as much. Everybody focuses on 150,000 net new jobs, and that's great. But as you all remember, for the first time, I believe in 75 years, our uh, per capita income fell below the national average between 2000 and 2010. So we created a ton of jobs. Unfortunately, you needed two or three of them to support your family. Uh, and so, you know, creating 150,000 new jobs is great, but we also wanted to raise per capita income by 30%. And some of the conversations I've had with them is per capita is, is important, but I think we also need to pay attention to median incomes because you could fool yourself if you purely look at per capita because it could become skewed if you create, you know, a few very high-paying jobs. You know, what's happening to uh, folks in the middle and that are working hard and that are playing by the rules? Are we uh, creating the types of jobs that they can support their family on in the future, the folks that come through apprenticeship programs and come through, you know, other types of alternative and vocational education uh, opportunities. Let's make sure that we're building an economy uh, 
you know, where that prosperity is shared. Mm -hmm. So we're in ongoing conversations, everything from workforce development to state capital budget to the city's capital budget. You know, what are some areas in which we can work more collaboratively to bring more business to uh, Columbus and to Central Ohio uh, and create jobs? They've been great partners on the Smart City application, by the way. Fantastic. And uh, uh, really proud of the effort that we've put forth. I think we're going to be very competitive. What's their contribution to that? They have uh, both their senior leadership of their teams to help us put together uh, our application as well as, you know, we've had some of the best grant writing and researchers uh, from Battelle and Ohio State and others that have been part of this process as well as offering up their resources uh, in working through our plan. We had to propose a plan on how we would actually execute mm -hmm. the work if we were granted uh, uh, the Smart City Grant. And so uh, they've been great partners. And it was our top priority at our fly-in in Washington last week. We met with uh, Secretary Fox, uh, our congressional delegation. Um, so it was it was really good. Any idea on the timing of that? Um, well, they're, they'll announce finalists um, in short order. They might even be announcing finalists this weekend. Okay. Uh, so it goes from, I think, 66 cities down to five. And then, uh, you know, there'll be a, a, a winner announced, I think, probably in the next couple of months. Okay. There you have it. Our thanks to Mayor Ginther for his candor and thanks to you for spending some time with us. If you want to hear earlier podcasts from our news crew, you just find the Kicker archive on SoundCloud or iTunes. Just type in Kicker or Columbus Business First into the search box to access them. And if you want to know more about what's going on in Central Ohio's business community, look us up online at columbusbusinessfirst.com. At our website, you'll find reports as the news breaks, and you can sign up for our morning and afternoon news roundups, and you can see what stories played big in our weekly edition. We appreciate your listening. See you next time.